So we're going to pick back up where we were, continuing our study, the Sermon on the Mount. Last week, again, we talked about dealing with worry, stress, anxiety. The previous week, we talked about storing up treasures in heaven as opposed to storing up treasures here on the earth. And now today, Jesus takes us to a whole new topic, a whole uh, another topic. We did two weeks straight. We, we talked about money and wealth and different things like that. But today, Jesus takes us to a whole nother topic. Matthew chapter seven, verse one. He brings us to a topic that, again, we're all familiar with. We've all participated in. And that is judging other people, <laughs> being very judgmental. And so we're going to look at how the Lord is going to sanctify us here. That's what God's word does. His word, his truth, it sanctifies us. It makes us holy. It brings conviction. It shows us where we err. So Christ is going to sanctify us through showing us our flaws and how we judge others and how the proper way it should be when it comes to looking at a fault in my brother or sister. So Matthew 7, we're going to look at verses 1 through 6. And the word of God reads, Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye and behold, the log is in your own eye. Five, you hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to dogs and do not throw your pearls before swine or they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. So, outside of John 3.16, this is probably the, the most well-known or most quoted scripture, even by non-believers. And John MacArthur calls it, the, he said, the, the pagan's favorite verse, he says. And that is, do not judge, right? We, we hear that so often. And we often hear people saying, don't judge me to, they say it to, uh, it's used to support all of their immoral behavior oftentimes. We don't want people judging us. And so we'll, we'll quote this verse, do not judge me. Jesus said, do not judge. And we use it just as our defense. Anytime somebody wants to come and criticize us for something that we're doing wrong, we are quick to throw out this verse and throw out Jesus. I've heard this all the time in the news. Jesus said, don't judge. So why are you judging people? I even think about Pope Francis. One of the things that turned Pope Francis into the celebrity Pope was his famous line that he said when it came to talking about gays in the church, he said, who am I to judge? And when the world heard that, they went crazy. They said, yes, we got another soldier that's supporting our thought. But Pope Francis later came back and retract that statement. But still, that sentiment is shared by many in the world. Right? Do not judge me. By believer or non-believer, that sentiment is shared all throughout the world. I think about a coworker that I had. 
I was walking, working with a coworker and, um, he was, he was trying to get his real estate license and he came and told me, Jerome, I got my real estate license. I'm like, whoa, that was fast. How'd you get it so quick? And basically he had paid the instructor to pat, cause you need to take all these prerequisites, these, these courses before you take the actual state exam. So he paid the instructor to just give him A's on the actual courses that you needed. And so that allowed him to go forward and just to take the state exam. And so me being a young believer, I'm newer in my faith. I said, man, that's not righteous. <laughs> and you know what his response was? Don't judge me. Why are you judging me? See, and he was a believer as well. But he he was he was mad at me because I said I was judging him. So he said, don't judge me. And that's what people use this verse for here in Matthew 7. We use it as a defense for the wrong that we do oftentimes. But is that what Jesus was teaching when he said, do not judge so that you will not be judged? Is that what Jesus wants us to do? Is he saying that we should just turn a blind eye to any unrighteousness or any injustice that we see in society? Is, is that what Jesus is saying it to avoid being called judgmental or bigot? Should we just turn the other way? Of course not. That's not what the Lord is saying. See, we make judgments all the time. We make judgments from the food that we eat. We, we make judgments from, from the, the clothes that we wear. We, we, we always make judgments. So it's not just judgment in general that Jesus is condemning here. But there are different types of judgments that's are, that is condemned, and there's certain types of judgments that are encouraged in the Bible. One of those such judgments that are encouraged in the Bible is righteous judgment. Righteous judgment. John 7:24. You go with me with there uh, go with me to John 7:24. I want you to see there is judgment that Jesus says that is okay. In John 7:24, Jesus talks about righteous judgment here. See, what's happening here in the context, Jesus is getting confronted by some 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 Jews because he healed a person on a Sabbath day. And Jesus goes back at this group that's accusing him and he, and he says, hold on. In order to keep the law of Moses on a Sabbath day, when it comes time to circumcise, you still keep that. But but, but why are you judging me then for making another man whole? You have circumcised your this young boy, this young child on a Sabbath day to keep the law of Moses. But now if I go and heal a person on a Sabbath day, now you are judging me. And so Jesus says in 724, do not judge according to appearance. But he said, judge with righteous judgment. Their judgment wasn't righteous. Their judgment was hypocritical. They weren't judging based on truth. They were judging based on their own selves. So Jesus shows us there that there is a judgment that is accepted in the Bible. That is righteous judgment. That judgment is encouraged. We also are encouraged in the Bible to judge between good and evil. In 1 John 4, 1, he, the, uh, John tells the church to test the spirit to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets had gone out into the world. So now he's talking about false prophets. And he said, if a false prophet comes up in the church, you want to, you want to judge, you want to test to see if they are real. We have to, we have to judge between good and evil. 
And if you go back to our main text in, in Matthew 7, 7.15, to just be specific, Jesus tells us to be aware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. So now we have another judgment. We have to discern something. We have to, to choose if a person is a false prophet or not. Again, the Bible encourages us to judge between good and evil. The Bible encourages us to, to judge righteously. But there is also a judgment that is condemned. There's a judgment that is condemned, and that is the judgment I believe Jesus is getting at. And that is the judgment. If you, if you ever read through the Bible, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what you will find oftentimes is that, that self-righteous or hypocritical condemning judgment is always condemned in the Gospels and the Bible. And that is a judgment that Jesus constantly blasted the Pharisees and scribes for. It was that hypocritical, it was that self-righteous, it was that bourgeois, I'm better than you, you are less than me, that type of condemning judgment. That is the judgment that the Bible consistently condemns. You can smell the self-righteous air, for example, if you think about the, uh, the, the interaction between the immoral woman and the Pharisee. Do you remember that in Luke 8 where, where Jesus goes to the house of Simon the Pharisee to have dinner with him? And, and as they're having dinner at the table, this, this woman just shows up uninvited. Now, let me just point this thing out to you. In Luke 8, when it's talking about the immoral, sinful woman, put it like this. Everybody in the Bible is a sinner outside of Christ, right? We're all sinners outside of Christ. But nowhere in the Bible, other than really here, maybe somewhere else, do we get introduced to a person as the sinner. Think about this. The Bible does not introduce us to Matthew saying Matthew the sinner. We're not introduced to, to Peter as Peter the sinner. We're not introduced to John as John the sinner. But when it comes to this immoral woman, or this woman that's meeting Jesus, we are introduced to her as the sinner. As the, or as the immoral woman, which tells me that she must have had a reputation. She must have got down. Meaning she, she must have been that, that, that drunk, uh, uncle or that, that drunk auntie that nobody wants to invite to the Christmas party. Because you know that when they come, craziness just comes with them. And, and you don't want that crazy coming around, so you, you often don't invite them. See, that's kind of like who, the, who this, this woman seemed to be. She was known. They said this sinful and moral woman is coming to visit Jesus. And so when the sinful and moral woman comes, what does she do? She, she breaks down and she, be, she begins to cry and her tears touch Jesus' feet and she begins to wipe his feet with her hair and then she anoints Jesus' hair with the alabaster oil. But in the moment that she drops down and begins to judge or to to wipe his feet, that is the moment when the judgmental, self-righteous trigger of the Pharisee is alerted. Because as as she did that with Jesus, the Pharisee began to think within himself, if this man were truly a prophet, he would not allow this, this, this sinful woman to be touching all on him. See, the Pharisee had their, their self-man-made doctrine that if you touch certain people, especially sinners, you would be tainted. And so, see, see, that was the reason that the Pharisee was looking at Jesus with the stank eye when the woman was all on him. Now, y'all know what the stank eye is, right? Y'all looking at me crazy. <laughs> Melissa, you know what the stank eye is, right? <laughs> 
There you go. That's when you know when somebody's looking at you kind of sideways and like crooked. That's what was happening with the Pharisees. When the Pharisee sees this immoral woman, this dirty, sinful woman touching all on Jesus, they're giving her and Jesus the stank eye because they're saying, Jesus, if you were so good, you would know this woman that's touching you. See, basically what the Pharisees were saying was that this woman wasn't even worthy enough to perform the lowest level of service, which was, which was um, to wash someone's feet. See, they thought she was so dirty, she wasn't even worthy to watch their feet. And so they're looking at Jesus and wondering, why are you allowing this nasty woman to touch all on your feet? They thought that low of her. She wasn't even able to perform the service of a slave. That is how much of self-righteousness that they were filled with. That is the judgment that the Bible consistently condemns. That is that judgment of I'm better than you. You are lower than me. That is a judgment. That is a judgment. That is a judgment that the Bible that Jesus says we can't do. That is the one that's condemned. We also see that same type of error, that self-righteous judgment in, in uh, Luke 18 when it comes to the Pharisee and the tax collector. Remember, the, the, the Pharisee looks over at the tax collector and he's like, I'm thanking God and I'm not like this scoundrel. Remember, he, he's so full of self-righteousness that he looks over and just recognizes how much better he is than the other person. Now, don't get me wrong. There is nothing wrong with recognizing God's grace in your life. There's nothing wrong with recognizing that, hey, I did the same situation. I did the same sins. I did the same drugs as this other person, and their life took them down a whole bad path. But by God's grace, I am still going on. There's nothing wrong with recognizing God's goodness in your life. But the problem is, is that when we look at others who were in similar circumstances as we are, and we begin to think that it was because of something in us that we are where we are, and we begin to think that it is our own goodness, then we are engaging in a self-righteous judgment. See, the moment you look at self and not God's grace as why you are different from someone else, you are engaging in self-righteous judgment. And that type of judgment it's the one that is condemned. That type of judgment will not let you enter into the kingdom of God because self-righteous, condemning, hypocritical judgment does not recognize God's grace. Any of that type of judgment, it does not recognize God's grace. And self-righteous, hypocritical judgment is antithetical to beatitude number one. What is beatitude number one? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Remember, poor in spirit is to say that, God, I have nothing good to offer up to you. I am just a poor, broken sinner. There is nothing righteous in me, God. Um, how does the song go? Nothing in my hands I bring simply to the cross I cling. That is what it means to be poor in spirit. And if you're poor in spirit, realizing that you have nothing to offer to God, then you should be the least judgmental person on the planet. See, believers, as Christians, we should be the least judgmental person on the planet because we know that everything that we have is all of grace. We know that everything we have is because of God's mercy. So we should be the least judgmental person. No, it was all God. That is the self-righteous judgment that we should be the least efficient in. We should not at all be that way because it's only by God's grace that we stand here. 
Which makes it ironic, my brothers and sisters, that the common critique of the Christian, at least in America, is that we are judgmental. Isn't that ironic that the people who should be the least judgmental have a reputation of being the most judgmental? Now, let me say this. I understand that some of our critique is not justified. For example, the way our views on, on marriage, our views on morality, our views on the male headship, the world, they can judge us all day for that. And we'll, we'll accept that. We'll take that. That is an unjustified critique. We'll welcome that. But there is another type of judgment that is accurate, a judgment that lacks humility, a judgment that forgets the, the grace of God. That judgment is accurate because we often do that. We often critique and we forget the grace of God. And how do I know that we critique and forget the grace of God? Is it because a, a Gallipo has told me that the world believes that Christians are judgmental? No, it's not because of that. It is because that even in the scriptures, we find that Christians are judgmental to even other Christians. So, of course, I can expect that we're going to be like that to the world. I'm going to show you an example of that. Go to Romans 14. Romans 14. Now that you can look in 1 Corinthians 8 2. But Romans 14 highlights it. In Romans 14, verses pretty much 1 through 10, let me just kind of set the scene for you. Paul is describing a situation here where you have a younger brother and our sister in the faith. And this younger brother is probably a new believer. They're on fire for Jesus. And, and for some reason, they believe that, hold on, it's only holy to eat vegetables. Vegans, right? Or whatever you want to call it. And then you have another brother who's maybe a little bit more mature in the faith. He understands that I have this freedom in Christ. And so I can eat whatever I want. I can eat pork. I can eat brisket, I can eat chicken, I can eat it all, all, I can eat chitlins, I can eat it all. He recognizes that. But because his younger brother in the faith doesn't recognize that, he critiques his younger brother and thinks that he's greater than. And on the other hand, the, the younger brother who is newer in the faith thinks the older brother or the more mature brother is probably not as mature in Christ because he was really mature in Christ. He would be um, eating only vegetables. In both cases, the older or mature brother and the younger brother are both in the wrong because they're both judging each other by these standards that the Bible doesn't give out. They're both, they're both judging each other by their own standards. See, I, I kind of want you to just think about this from a, a Jewish perspective. I want you to think about it like this. Imagine if you're, you, you are a first century Jew. And if you're a first century Jew, you didn't touch pork. You didn't eat pork. You didn't look at pork, right? Swine was the, the nastiest thing in the world. You, it was something you would never touch. But you come to this newfound faith. You, you, you come to know Jesus and you come to see that I have this, this freedom now in Christ. And, and so now I can eat whatever I want to eat. But on the other hand, you have these brothers and sisters who also were Jews just like you. And now they're coming into the faith, but they're not where you are. And, and they're scared of, they're saying, no, I'm not going to touch this wine. This wine is still dirty. 
Do you, do you judge them because they're not where you are on your level? Or do they judge you because they realize, hold on, you're not really spiritual and following Christ? That, that is the situation that was happening here in the church. That, that is the reason that Paul was writing because you had this judgmental attitude going on in the church where others were saying, I'm more spiritual than you because I do this, or you're not as spiritual as I am because I do that. See, the believers, they were judging and despising each other based on their own standards. And so Paul says this in Romans 14, verse 4. He says, who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls and he will stand and he will stand for the Lord is able to make him stand. And then if you scroll down to verse 10, look what Paul says here in Romans 14. He says, but you, why do you judge your brother? Or you, again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? Why are you despising him, he says? For he will, for we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. So Paul is saying, this is God's servant. Why are you so hard on your brother? Why are you so critiquing your brother? This, this is God's servant. You be convinced of whatever the matter is in your own mind. Don't go and apply your own standards to the next brother or sisters. See, brothers and sisters, we are so good at doing that. We, we get this conviction in our life and we realize this is good and we go and we apply this standard to every believer we can think of. And you guys know I've shared this before many times in the past. My biggest one that I used to be the biggest Pharisee on was alcohol. Boy, if I seen a Christian take a sip of alcohol, they weren't even a Christian in my book. I just think about the ways I used to condemn other believers. I, I remember telling another believer that you're just copping out. You're just making excuses. You, you need to just follow Jesus and not do that. I was just so judgmental. I had this self-righteous Pharisee attitude on stuff that I couldn't even ground in Scripture, but it was my standard. It was my standard that I was applying to every believer. And when we do that, we become these self-righteous Pharisees, the judgment that Jesus condemns. Now, yours may not have been alcohol, but what is the thing? I want you to ask yourself, what is the thing that you self-righteously judge your brother or sister on? We all guilty of it. We're all guilty of looking at another Christian and finding some little thing in them that we don't think is right and holy and we judge them. What is your little thing? Is, is it, do you, I guess, what is your judgmental vice, I put it? Is it that you judge or condemn other Christians that watch TV? Or do you judge and condemn other Christians who watch non-Christian movies? Do you judge and condemn other Christians who listen to non-Christian music? What is your vice? What is your judgmental thing? Even in my own ministries that I would involve. And I remember when I would go to the prison ministry, I would go there and I would preach or and I would go to the homeless ministry and I would get back and I would kind of just blast my church because y'all ain't doing nothing. I'm out here going to the prison. I'm out here going to the homeless ministry. Y'all ain't doing nothing. See, that is self-righteous judgment. When I do that, I'm becoming the Pharisee. When you do that, you are becoming the Pharisee. That type of judgment is condemned all throughout the scripture. And that type of judgment is condemned because that type of judgment is an affront to the gospel. The gospel which says that all are guilty before God, that none is good, and that God through Jesus Christ will judge the living and the dead, not you and I. See, that's an affront to the gospel when we behave in that measure. So Jesus shows us that that type of judgment in Matthew 7 will only bring judgment. 
Let me get back there. So that's what he shows in, in, in verse one. He says, it's that type of judgment, that hypocritical, that self, that condemning judgment will only bring judgment. And the standard that you measure with someone else, he says, that standard will be measured against you. When he says that, um, the standard that will be measured, he's using actually, it's, it's a proverbial saying. That's not nothing new. When he says measure for measure, he's using a phrase that is common in the Jew- Jewish culture. If you, if you look in the Talmud, you will see this measure for measure being used in many different circumstances to say however you treat somebody is going to come and come back to you. So Jesus is using the same thing. He's saying measure for measure. The way that you're measuring somebody by your self-righteous standard, that standard is going to come back to you. And guess what, my brothers and sisters? We don't even keep our own standards. We try to bring brothers and sisters to this high standard, but guess what? We don't even keep our own standards. Think about the many times you said that you're going to go on a diet and you didn't. Think about the many times you said, I'm going to keep this strict diet and not eat this food and you didn't. Or, or think about the times you said, I'm going to go to the gym on a regular basis and you didn't. Or, or think about the times you said, I'm going to start this prayer routine and you didn't. Or I'm going to serve the Lord in this way and you didn't. See, we do not even keep our own standards. So we better watch how we are judging and condemning others because that standard that you're measuring with others, Jesus is saying it is going to be measured against you. So where do we go from here? Where do we go from here with this judgmental attitude? How how, how do we address this? We apply these standards. We apply these standards to so many people that we don't even keep ourselves we, we condemn people. We bring them back in bondage based on our own standards. As a matter of fact, this was the situation in Romans 1. Do you remember the judgment, the, the council of the church? You had many of the, the Jewish uh, Christians. They were, they were telling other Gentile believers that they weren't truly saved unless they got circumcised. See, again, they were adding their own standard of righteousness. They were adding their own standard of what is holy and saying now it applies to everybody else. And that is what we do oftentimes in our own righteousness. We judge people by our own standards. So we have to really think about it, my brothers and sisters. We have to take Jesus' words to heart here and how we are judging other people. Are we holding them to a standard that we will not even hold ourselves? So again, the question that I bring, where do we go here? Where do we go from here? Do we tell people that nothing basically because we're so fearful of being called judgmental? Do we just stay silent and, and and not even say anything if our brother and sister is walking in sin? Do we just allow them to go forward and just keep going because we don't want to be this judgmental person here getting judged? No, we don't. But Jesus gives us the solution on how we ought to deal with it in verses 3 through 5. He says, why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eyes, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye and behold, the log is in your own. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So Jesus, what does he show us here? Jesus showed us, shows us that we do not hold rebuke from our brother and sister. See, the world loves to quote verse 1, but they don't read a bit, a little bit further down because the person is still told to take the speck out of the brother's eye. We still have a responsibility to hold our brother and sister accountable. We, we see him walking in a wayward way, but Jesus shows us the process on how we ought to approach them. He shows that at first we ought to look at ourselves. 
before we go and condemn and judge, he, he says, first, you got to consider your own self. You got to consider the beam that is in your own eye before you go and remove, try to remove the speck out of your brothers. You got to consider the own sin, the, the sin that is that has you in bondage. You got you got to think about that before you want to go and take this out of your brother's eye. Jesus is showing us, let's look at ourselves first before we want to go be the righteous police. Let's look at ourselves. Let's see what speck do I have in my eye. So Jesus is saying, let's have a self-examination. Look at yourselves, my brothers and sisters, he's saying. Look at yourself. This this standard of righteousness that you want to hold others to. Ask yourself, am I holding this standard of righteousness on my own life? He wants us to look at ourselves. He wants us to remove that beam from our own eye. And guess what? When we remove the beam from our own eye, it makes us what? More empathetic. It humbles us to actually go and help our brother and sister because we just had something sticking in our own eye. Now we can go in a spirit of humility. Now we can go in a spirit of love because we know that we were just where you were. See, and it's not just the judgment that matters, but it is the spirit or the attitude itself and how we come at our brothers and sisters. Are you coming at a spirit of love? Are you coming with some empathy? Think about it. When you confront your brother and sister, you got to ask yourself, what spirit am I doing this in? And I'm coming at them thinking I'm just holy and righteous and that this little one I got to show and correct. Or am I coming at them truly having their best interest at heart? Am I doing this because I truly love them and I want the best for them? You got to ask yourself, why are you bringing this rebuke or why are you bringing this correction to your brothers and sisters? Are you doing this truly because you love them? The other thing that we must consider is this. Are we the right person to bring the correction or the rebuke? Because everybody's not fit to do that. Look at Galatians 6. I want to show you this. Galatians chapter 6. just want to show you verse 1. When it comes to asking yourself, are you the right person to be bringing the correction and the rebuke. Paul, in addressing another brother who has fallen or another sister who has fallen, says this here in Galatians 6.1. He says, Brethren, if anyone is caught in any trespass, look who's going to do it. You who are spiritual, the spiritual mature, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, Here's again what he says, each looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. So what does Paul teach us here? And it's not everyone. He says, you who are the spiritual. And he shows us in the spirit that we ought to go and approach a person. He said, in the spirit of gentleness, considering like Jesus says, your own self, considering the being that may be in your own eye. That is the way that we go and approach it. You may not be the right person. He says, those who are the spiritual in the spirit of, gent- in spirit of g- gentleness, consider yourselves. So we got to ask ourselves, maybe it may be more efficient for me to talk to another brother or sister. If there's a brother that's, or a sister that's going wayward and we want to say something, maybe maybe wise that I bring another brother or sister along. I mean, it, it, there's just, you got to pray about it and see how God leads you, but you got to really think, maybe I'm not the right person to go at this person. Examine yourself. Examine yourself. Examine yourself. Now, the other thing that we can see from Paul's letter to the church when it comes to judgment and morality and Jesus' teaching on judgment 
is the teaching was directed towards other believers. When Jesus says, if you see your brother, your brother in that context of Matthew 7 was probably another disciple, another follower of Christ. And when Paul writes this letter, Paul is writing this letter to the church. But in fact, Paul tells us in, in 1 Corinthians 15, he says this, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians uh, 5, he says, For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Do you not judge those who are within the church, but those who are outside, God judges. See, we often try to judge people outside the church like they're in the church. We try to judge people outside the church as if they are in the body of, of Christ. And that is something we can't do. We, we expect non-believers to behave like born-again believers. See, the, the judgment is the, the one that we're correcting and critiquing, at least in the scripture, it's my other brother and sister in Christ. Paul says that God is going to judge those outside the church. So it is not me trying to take these standards and, and apply it to a, a person who, is, who hasn't been born again, who doesn't know Jesus and expected them to perform a certain way. No, Paul says, I'm not going to judge the whole world out there. This rebuke is to the church. God is going to handle them. But we have to go and correct one another here. I can't go out there and treat the world like they're in the church. See, he shows us that it is not on the outside. And this is why it's so important that we preach Jesus and not behavior modification. You can try to tell a person all day to change, but, but it's only through Jesus that that behavior, that modification will change. That is why the essence of repentance is not stop doing, but start believing. Repentance means having a change of mind, a change in faith, taking my faith from whatever I was putting it into, into Jesus. And through Jesus, there comes change in the behavior. There's change in the modification of how I act. That is how that standard works. That is how the process works. But if we try to judge the world by our own standards or the standards of the scriptures, they, they're not born again. They, they can't, they can't get it. They don't see it. And so we err when we do that. And that is why we often get the critique of Christians being judgmental and not thinking, uh, thinking themselves as highly or better than others. It's, we try to hold people to a standard that they're, they're not born again. They don't know Jesus. So I can't expect them to act a certain way. Now I think how, I think it's interesting, interesting how Jesus and, and this last part of the text, where he talks about the pearl, I feel like he was trying to make it clear that Christians have a responsibility to be discerning in their views because in this next verse, basically, verse 6, Jesus is instructing his disciples to actually be judgmental and to judge. So it's kind of like Jesus was saying, okay, I know the world is going to look at verse 7 and they're going to say, Jesus says not to judge, but just so that things are all clear, I'm going to bring them into verse 6 to show them that they have a responsibility to judge and to be discerning. And so Jesus says in verse 6, he says, do not give what is holy to dogs and do not throw your pearls before swine or they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. If you recall last week, Sister Debbie shared something about her intimate time with the Lord. And if you remember, I told her she's sharing a pearl with us. She's sharing something that's her secret intimate time with God, and now she is sharing it with the church. It's a pearl because it's God's truth, it's God's revelation that God has given her. And during this first century, when it came to pearls, the Jewish understanding that the, the word of God was, was like a pearl. 
And they would say, you're stringing pearls when you take one part of Old Testament scripture and another part of Old Testament scripture and you bring them together to get the main message of the, the, the teaching. And they would call that stringing pearls. So to them, to, a pearl was the truth and revelation of God. A pearl was the teaching that their rabbi gave them. A pearl was the teaching that their, their sages, if you will, that they, that they gave them. It was a truth that was to be shared and cherished by those who counted themselves as worthy to receive that truth. And when it comes to our pearls, our pearls is the gospel. Our pearls are, are, are the gospel that God has given us. Our pearls are what God has shown us in prayer, that, that intimate thing. That is why I took this mic off, as I said, because the world, again, that is not something for everybody to know what's happening in my life. That is a pearl that I'm casting before my brothers and sisters who know Jesus. But I'm not going to just cast my pearls just to anyone. I remember I had a, I had a, I had a, one of my good Russian friends, his name was Vitaly. And, uh, this dude is like a master evangelist. And, uh, he, he has this, this evangelism ministry at ARC. And me being like a younger believer, I haven't done much evangelism. I just wanted to get some experience. And so I went with him. And I remember one day we're out there on campus. I mean, this guy just walks up to people and just shares the gospel like crazy. And he doesn't share the gospel with this guy. Because the guy's like mocking us and he's, he's saying all this crazy stuff. And I'm like, Vitaly, give him the gospel. He need the truth. And I remember Vitaly was like, I'm not going to throw my pearls before him. And I didn't get what he meant. He's like, man, these are my pearls. I'm not going to throw this before him. And what he was saying is that just like Jesus is saying, our pearls are something special. And he said, I'm not going to just throw my pearls to anybody, to someone that's showing themselves as unworthy to hear the gospel by mocking the gospel. And so he's showing us that there are certain things that, that we have to use discernment, if you will, and how we share it and what we tell others. That's why I'm not going to just tell my testimony to anybody. That is my pearl. I'm not going to just throw that out there. Because Jesus says, guess what? When you, when you just throw your pearls before swine, guess what? You're the one that's going to come back limping because they're going to tear your testimony. They're going to spit on it. They're going to mock you. You're the one that's going to come back more hurt. Why? Because you're sharing your pearls with swine and pigs. See, a swine and a pig in this context was considered to be an evil person. Paul says in Philippians 3, 2, he says, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the false circumcision. See, the evil person or the, the, the dog or the swine was the evil person. They were the people who were opposed to the gospel. Or you look at Psalms 22, 16, where David says, for dogs have surrounded me, a band of evildoers have compassed me. Again, the, the dogs were the evil people. The swine were the people who were opposed to the gospel. The swine were the people who were mocking the gospel. And Jesus is saying, do not cast your pearls before swine. Yes, we have a responsibility to share the gospel. But we have to be discerning in how we go about our ministry. We have to be understanding. Remember, we have to judge from good and evil. If a person is showing themselves as unworthy and don't want to hear it by mocking and condemning, then we don't cast Yes, we may give one or two or three pushes here, as Paul would say, but then we keep it moving. Why? Because the gospel, this is a pearl. That's what the kingdom of God is compared to finding a fine pearl. This is something valuable. This is something beautiful that you cherish and you keep. So again, Jesus shows us in verse 6 that I don't want you to judge, but you have to be discerning. 
The judgment that Jesus is condemning that he says do not judge is the condemnation of the, it's that self-righteous judgment. And Jesus says when we do this judgment, not only do we have to fear the judgment of man, but we have to fear the judgment of God because that type of judgment is not consistent with the gospel. That type of judgment is not consistent with beatitude number one, which is being poor in spirit. So look at yourselves, my brothers and sisters. When we judge, examine our own lives. Examine that standard that you're putting to others. Can you match up yourself? As a matter of fact, does that standard even line up with Scripture? Is it your standard? That's something we got to ask ourselves. And I'm saying this, brothers and sisters, in sincerity, because we can easily do this. Even now, we can say we can judge those people who are in traditional churches. We've heard people come in here and do that. Oh, we're doing the real church like they did in the Bible. We're in a house and they're not doing real church. See, we can easily develop that judgmental attitude or the way they worship. That's not godly. They're, they're too expressive. See, or they're not expressive enough. See, we have all of these judgmental standards that we compare one another to that do not line up with scripture. They're our standard and not God's standard. And when we do that, we become self-righteous. We don't want to do this. We recognize that the gospel says that we're all broken. The gospel says that none is good. We have nothing in our hands to bring to God. It is only by grace through faith that we're saved. So we have nothing to be judgmental about. So examine yourselves, my brothers and sisters, before you bring any correction and rebuke. Jesus says it here. The judgmental spirit will face the judgment of God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your truth, your word. God, thank you for sanctifying us with this truth, bringing us to an understanding, causing us to look at ourselves and how we look at others. God, may we love people. May we be truthful with people. God, give us a discerning spirit, Lord Jesus, when to speak, when not to speak. When to cast, when to hold back, and we be obedient to you in all things, Lord. We thank you for leading us on the path of righteousness. Thank you for showing us our flaws. Continue to wash us by your word and your truth, God. Continue to just wash us and make us clean and remove the dirt from us, God. That shows what it is to live and be holy. We thank you, God, for your word. Amen.